Today's episode of the two-man power trip of wrestling is dedicated to the life, memory, and career of our good friend, Chris Pallies, a.k.a. King Kong Bundy. I asked myself this, and I always swore when I was younger, I wasn't going to be one of these old guys that was running down the business the way it is now. And But then, you know, like John Lennon said, I cannot be what I'm not. You know, I always figured you want, you want to wait till they call you and, you know, but uh, meeting Hulk in Japan, he thought we could have, you know, some good matches together, I guess, because we did over there. And he helped me with my deal over there. And he, like I said, he got me in the door over here. Hulk was very good to me. I mean, people say, you know, Hulk Hogan's changed. I don't know. But all he ever did was help me. That's all I can say. And these idiots like the honky-tonk man that run him down. You know, he got, he saved the honky-tonk man's life. He was up in Calgary. And Vince got... You know, I mean, uh, Hulk got Vince to bring him in. So, you know, these guys, a lot of ingrates in the wrestling business, I guess. They What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Oh, my God. This is Joey Styles, and you're listening to the two-man power trip podcast. This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Cody Rhodes, the prince of pro wrestling, and you are listening to two-man power trip. This is Jimmy Vine, the boogie Wooker man. Tell my people and my brothers and sisters, don't you dare miss John and Chad. Hey, everybody out there. This is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> well, guys, it's great to be on the show again. I appreciate you asking me back. So you said you were going to pinch yourself. I didn't know it was that kind of show now. I mean, if you guys are in the privacy of your own home, if you want to do these things. Good. How you doing, Chad? Hey, John. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Okay. Hey, man. What's up, guys? This is Homicide. Oh, that's my homie. Homicide with a big homie club. Yeah, that would be it. Hey, this is David Penzer, and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling. Well, thank you, thank you. Hear me, fear me. I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Look, Mean Gene, I can't be beat. I'm the greatest of all time. And I would say that. And every kid, I, they knew they could kick the out of me. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling, and now they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. two-man power trip of wrestling brought to you today and powered by our sponsors eat your coffee stay tuned a little bit later on in the show and find out how you can energize the moment with every bite of an eat your coffee coffee bar and if you didn't know by now my name is chad and as always i'm joined by my tag team partner on the two-man power trip the one and only jp john paz and starting off a little bit on a somber note here actually not a little bit a lot of bit here on a, on a very sad note, as uh, we're here to promote our TMPT Con 3 with Jim Cornette and the 35th anniversary of the Midnight Express, but unfortunately are uh, experiencing a giant loss to not only the two-man power trip uh, entity that you're listening to, but to the world of professional wrestling. 
as Chris Pally's, also known as King Kong Bundy, has unfortunately passed away. Now, this past Monday, we announced that King Kong Bundy was going to be joining us in Richmond, so it almost tied in perfectly with this episode of posting Jim Cornette talking about the show and lining up uh, nearly absolutely uh, synced in the way we could have couldn't have written it better. But unfortunately, uh, Chris passing away unexpectedly uh, at some point. We're assuming over the weekend. As you listen to this, not a lot of details have come out about it. So uh, we've talked about this between John and I, and we're going to cover it more in depth with Shane Douglas on the Triple Threat podcast in the next podcast we publish. But we had to kind of talk about it at least at first, just because A, we just announced him for TMPT Con 3, and B, if you only knew the amount of work going on behind the scenes uh, with the two-man power trip, John more specifically than myself, but just the two-man power trip entity, uh, a podcast that was in the works with King Kong Bundy that was coming to the two-man power trip uh, podcasting empire, but uh, just an absolutely devastating blow to uh, to professional wrestling. And John, we're going to talk about this just for a few minutes here before we get into talking about the Cornette interview. And like I said, we're going to talk about it more on the Triple Threat with Shane Douglas. But obviously, uh, thoughts, if you can. I know it's still hard to process this. We're still kind of uh, collectively in shock. But you more specifically, having dealt with Chris, I mean, re- really on a weekly basis for about the last six months, uh, Sorry for the loss, but also, you know, just a devastating blow to pro wrestling. Yeah, just still kind of in shock a bit over it. Like, it really hit me hard. I mean, I was just totally shocked because only a few nights ago, we probably had about a half hour or so conversation, a little bit about this new up-and-coming podcast. He wanted this, he wanted that. He wanted a certain way to format it that you obviously were in the planning with it as well. You know, a certain way he wanted to format it, how he kind of wanted to kind of build up to certain big moments like WrestleMania 1, WrestleMania 2, WrestleMania 3, and kind of have that be the last part of the podcast as far as segmenting and the episodes. So it means all that kind of stuff that you talk about. But then he always like to talk about the family, you know, how's everybody doing? Because he knew my wife a little bit, he knew the kids a little bit. So, you know, it was a little bit more of a friendly talk. And he was always a, a you know, especially for the last, uh, six months to a year basically really got real close with him and became very friendly with him so we basically had a talk i'd say you know at least once a week you know if it wasn't through text messages we probably had a nice lengthy phone call just about random things random stories he would always mention random stuff and i know this episode's about cornet and he was looking forward to going down to richmond because he said he wanted to bust cornet's balls about some story that cornet said and swore it was true about blah, blah, and Chris wanted to kind of just bust his balls and tell him it isn't true and kind of, you know, typical Chris fashion, just kind of, you know, needle him a little bit. So that's kind of always the funny thing. And I think about Cornette and how this kind of ties in, in kind of an ironic way is that he wanted to be a part of that show. He wanted to needle Cornette a little bit. I always thought that was funny. It's like, man, he's just a different breed as far as some of the things that he would do and say and, not really necessarily be a bully or try to get under people's skin, but just he just had his own kind of breed of comedy and his own way of handling things and his you know, own way of kind of doing things that I always thought was hilarious and straight to the point. And it's probably why we got along so well, just because uh, I understood him and the way he was and kind of his breed of comedy. And uh, I guess he liked my sarcasm, but he definitely just an unbelievable guy. Everyone has kind of their own story with him and their own moment. And, 
a lot of people say, oh, he's the big bad heel. He's a, he's a vicious King Kong Bundy. Or, oh, he, he was mean or blah, blah. The real Chris Pally, he's not King Kong Bundy, but the real Chris Pally is one of the nicest guys I've ever met. Like a true friend, true nice guy. Uh, I've seen him with the homeless. He didn't have to do anything. We're walking by these people. He, you know, he's given them money right out of his pocket. Just little things you see, like good people things. You know what I mean? Like just things that necessarily really good people with really good hearts would do. And, and you don't quite see that. He might be the only guy that we've ever worked with that ends up giving us money back because, you know, this reason or that reason or, or oh, here's gas money. Or ho, or ho, I, I sold uh, more pictures than I thought. Uh, thought I'd sell. Or, oh, uh, hey, you know, I sold a couple of figures here. Why don't you take a percentage? I mean, he was so nice. I never had anybody. I mean, man, we worked with hundreds of wrestlers. No wrestler has ever done that. Just what a nice guy, class act, true friend, and uh, we're definitely, definitely gonna miss him. Yeah, obviously a huge loss, and you too with your personalities. I think if you look up the word ball busters, and uh, that's the one I, that's the quote I used on Twitter. Ball busters, uh, it's going to be you and, uh, and KKB there, one and two. Uh, I'm going to give him number one. You could be number two just for the sake <laughs> of uh, he's King Kong Bundy and you're not. But, yeah, we're going to talk about it more in depth on the Triple Threat Podcast, but just wanted to touch on it uh, here before we got into it with Cornette because, listen, if you do follow our episodes or if you choose to go back and listen to episodes in the past, the last time we had on Jim Cornette, we also had on King Kong Bundy as a feature guest because he was promoting an appearance at Subway in New Jersey last year around May. So again, the the ironic part of the two of these entities coming together one more time, you know, it worked out perfectly, but it's a very, very sad day for the world of professional wrestling, and he's going to be sorely, sorely missed, and we will pick that up on the Triple Threat Podcast with the franchise Shane Douglas and get Shane take on it because John will tell the story on the Triple Threat Podcast, but there was a connection between King Kong Bundy and Shane Douglas that, you know, you might not expect. And it's actually a very surprising thing. And like John said, that he was very misunderstood. Uh, You will 100% get that when you hear the Triple Threat Podcast. So we're going to stop the King Kong Bundy talk right here. And we will get back into talking about today's guest, who is James E. Cornett, Mr. Jim Cornett, coming to Richmond, Virginia for TMPT Con 3, the 35th anniversary of the Midnight Express and Jim Cornett, also featuring the Rock and Roll Express, as well as, so far as feature guests, a reunion of sorts with Shane Douglas and his valet, ECW original Francine, all going down May 18th at the Holiday Inn on Commerce Road, the West End Holiday Inn in Richmond, Virginia. It's uh, it's an end, it's it's a happening, folks. It's going to be an amazing show. The whole entire Jim Cornette experience, the live show, the uh, the the Q and A, the meet and greets, the merchandise, the one on one that you get to have with Jim Cornette. If you're in the Mid Atlantic area and you can get to Richmond, Virginia, this is your opportunity to get an amazing reach out and touch you moment. With Jim Cornette. So, John, as we talk about this now, it's another great one with Jim Cornette. We hit a lot of topics, a lot of laughs in this one, like it always is. But um, it's still kind of surreal that 35 years have passed since the Midnight Express got together. And our show specifically is going to have a very rare reunion of Stan, Dennis, and Bobby with Jim, which is not happening in many other places this year. Awesome to be a part of the 35th anniversary 
I guess you could call it the tour, if you will, the Midnight Express. So very, very cool stuff to be a part of. This is pretty cool to have Cornette on for the fifth time, record-breaking fifth time on the show, somewhat of a TMPT Hall of Famer. So I think just having him on again is just so cool. And you think, like, wow, five times. Well, you know, what are you going to talk about? All the topics. Man, we talked about a diversity of topics that we never even discussed before with Cornette. So, I mean, awesome having him on. I feel like we could have him on a thousand times. And we can probably talk, touch on a thousand different topics and probably not intertwine or, or repeat any topics. But if you're going to be down there in Richmond, Virginia, I would suggest highly you do that because not only would you get to meet the Midnight Express, but after the convention is over, you do have the Jim Cornette experience, which is going to be a wild ride i can guarantee that it's gonna be an unpredictable stage show with jim Cornette. he got some surprises he got some awesome giveaways that we have you're gonna have some free food you're gonna have autograph you're gonna get a picture with jim just great stuff i know from firsthand experience that these things can go a very long time so if you want Cornette to do a longer q a he'll do it if you want him to take more pictures he does it you want him to sign more autographs he does i mean he's so accommodating with his fans it's almost kind of ridiculous it's almost kind of over the top i mean i almost want to tell him yeah maybe we should not do so much and not give away so much but no he's pretty adamant about it all this free stuff all this great stuff and it's available at this amazing price of forty dollars i literally cannot believe that i I almost not really got an argument with him because you know he's jim cornell i'm not, not gonna have an argument with him on the phone but i said jim i was like this is way too cheap he said no you know the Midnights haven't been to Richmond in a while. I haven't been to Richmond in a while. I love Richmond. I know he was supposed to be there a couple of years ago. Uh, I'm not going to mention that whole debacle, but he's supposed to be there a couple of years ago. It all fell through. Um, but he's very excited to be a part of Richmond. And you can have the Jim Corn experience for only $40. And the value of the autograph in the picture alone is probably well above that. And then you get some freebies. And you get some free food. And then you get to have a Q&A. And then you get to hang out with Jim for however long you want. So pretty damn awesome. The 35th anniversary of the Midnight Express, TMPT Cup 3, May 18th, and then the Jim Cornette Experience. And for the ticket information, and this is going to be something you will retain after this show, we're going to send you directly to the ticket source. Now, you can go through our website if you'd like, tmptofwrestling.com, but we're sending you directly to the ticket source with this one, and it's tmptcon three dot brown paper tickets dot com again tmptcon3 dot brown paper tickets dot com there you will find all of the ticket links for this amazing event it's our third tmpt con we've had a good little run down there in richmond uh the fans are fantastic it is a very intimate environment uh you can really get a great experience no pun intended to the cornet experience but a great experience that now as we go to shows in different parts of the country, whether it's down in North Carolina or it's up in New Jersey or it's in Philadelphia, we have people coming up and saying, hey, I was at TMPT Con 2 and you guys had an amazing show. Or when we did our private event with Eric Bischoff after TMPT Con 2 last year, I've had multiple people come up to me at conventions and say, hey, you guys did a great job with that. When's the next one? Well, it's May 18th down in Richmond, Virginia. It is TMPT Con 3, the 35th anniversary of Jim Cornette and the Midnight Express. And like I mentioned before, also signed the Rock and Roll Express, Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson, as well as for the first time ever down in Richmond, Virginia, reuniting 
Shane Douglas and Francine. Can you believe these two have never worked together in the city of Richmond, Virginia? I just can't wrap my head around that. So if you've never met them in Richmond, Virginia, you've never seen them, there's a reason. So they will be at TMPT Con 3, as well as other vendor guests that will be announced in the coming weeks. And obviously, we lost one guest in, in King Kong Bundy, and it's going to be a, a just a giant loss to this show. It was going to be very funny to see his interactions with Cornette, and um, unfortunately, we won't be able to get that, but... Our best wishes to everybody who's going to be coming with us down to Richmond, Virginia. Let's have a great time. Let's celebrate everybody in attendance, whether it's the Midnights, the Rock and Roll, Bundy, Cornette. It's going to be a happening. So get down to Richmond, Virginia for TMPTCon 3. So let's wrap it up here nice. Let's hit you with a little bit of two-man power trip of wrestling business. And let's get it on over to the one and only James E. Cornette. Now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip and at Wrestling Pal. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Also, while on iTunes, check out the feed for prior legendary episodes featuring the living legend Bruno San Martino, the late great American Dream Dusty Rhodes, the Enforcer Arn Anderson, Ray Mysterio Jr. Glenn Kane, Jacobs, the phenomenal AJ Styles, lead WWE attorney Jerry McDivitt, and so many others. Also, while you're on the internet, check out ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com. They are your superstore for all your wrestling t-shirt needs. Check out our page. Check out Tito Santana, Coco Beware, Kevin Thorne, Magnum TA, and so many others. Also, while you're on the web, check out our website, tmptofwrestling.com. And for all you Android users, please hit us up on Google Play or Player FM. And all you iOS users, please check us out on TuneIn Radio, Automatic, Spotify, and now iHeartRadio. And now, without any further ado, April Wrestling, AWON, and an NWA Hall of Famer. You may know him as the Louisville Lip or the Louisville Slugger. He is the greatest manager of all time. He is James E. Cornette. Please enjoy. Well, let me tell you something, rock and roll. Since you got out alive, you've been making noises about these, brother. The United States Tag Team Championship belts. Well, I got news for you. We may not be able to get rid of you because you're so stupid you don't know when you've been beat. But we dead gum sure can keep these belts away from you because you're not good enough to beat the Midnight Express in the ring flat in the middle and never have been. And the Bunkhouse Stampedes are coming up in December and everybody's all excited about it. I've got the baddest tag team in the world. I've got the baddest man in the world. And Jimmy Crockett, you better be there every night, brother, with cash money, because I'm going to have my mother's butler, Thurston, down there personally every night to cart those money bags off on his back. And let me tell you one thing, Dusty Rhodes, last year, you cheated my man Big Bubba out of the finals at Bunkhouse Stampede. Everybody knew he should have won it because he won the most money. Not the most events, but the most money. And that's what everybody's after is money. But you got together with Jimmy Crockett and you cheated him. Well, Dusty Rhodes, I know you're an expert on everything that smells like a horse. But this year in those bunkhouse stampedes, we got a few surprises for you. And I understand you got that United States United States heavyweight title belt around your waist now. Well, the United States Tag Team Champions, being the All-American boys that they are, Dusty Rhodes, 
being the American dream that they are. They're the American dream to grow up looking good, grow up winning belts and titles and money. That's what the American dream is. And either one of them, beautiful Bobby or Sweet Stan Dusty Rhodes, might just challenge you for that U.S. heavyweight belt that you got around your waist so proudly from Starcade. Beautiful Bobby, I think, would take it. Sweet Stan, I think, would take it. We might have to just flip a coin to see Dusty Rhodes who gets the honor of whipping your you-know-what and taking that gold away from you. And Big Bubba Rogers, the only man in the world that can strap a bucket of fried chicken on his back and ride a motor scooter across Ethiopia. He's going to win the Bunkhouse Stampedes, brother. Fans, we'll be back right after this timeout. All right, let's get rolling right here and right now. Joining us on the line tonight is a man returning for an unprecedented fifth time to the two-man power trip of wrestling. So we've either done something really good or he's coming to give us a little bit of guff as we welcome in the one and only, doesn't need the full introduction after five times, the best of all time, James E. Cornett. Mr. Cornett, thanks for joining us again. Good Lord, if that wasn't the full introduction, I'd hate to hear when you get wound up at five times. Five times on this program. It's akin, it's an earth-shaking, a revolutionary happening, a, a wrestling uh, a, a history in the making here. It's almost equivalent to when Luthez won the NWA championship for the record sixth time. And suddenly, here I am five time. I'm coming for you, Lou. I'm coming for you, baby. Me and you in St. Louis. We'll get Longs and a referee. Anyway, how are you guys? Oh, we're doing excellent. You edged out your uh, your buddy Jim Ross now by one appearance. You guys were tied for all of one week, and now you have edged him out. So I think there's a little uh, competitive balance there shifting back to Camp Cornette here after this appearance. Well, you could actually look at it like I can't believe it. you got a, a star of the magnitude of Jim Ross to do this program only one less time than I have. <laughs> so that's that's the way I would look at that. But go on, no, seriously, you guys, no. You have a great listenership out there. I understand the prisons and penal colonies, penal farms. Uh, can't <laughs> wait for the program every week. So we got that going for us. What about that big deal coming up in May in Richmond? <laughs> Here we are to talk about the TMPT Con 3 extravaganza. We've been talking about it for weeks. And now to finally have you on and formally discuss May 18th, down there in Richmond, Virginia, at the beautiful Holiday Inn on Commerce Road, TMPT Con 3, the Jim Cornette at Midnight Express, 35th anniversary. How are you looking forward to it as much as we're looking forward to it? This is going to be one hell of an adventure down there in an amazing wrestling city of Richmond, Virginia. Oh, my. You know, the wrestling history of Richmond goes so far back, and I go so far back. Richmond is one of the first major uh, Crockett promotion cities that we that we came to when we came to the Crockett promotions to the area and uh, you know I, 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 the first of all that holiday Inn is beautiful that we're gonna be at because I remember back in the you know 30 plus years ago almost 35 years ago when I started going to Richmond we were staying in some cheap hotels I mean the room was so small you stuck the key in the door it broke the window. You know, they stole my towels on numerous occasions at the hotel we used to stay at, but now we have a beautiful <laughs> Holiday Inn. And uh, not only the Midnight Express getting back together, it's our 35th anniversary, as you mentioned, uh, 35 years ago this past November, as a matter of fact. Uh, me and Bob Eaton and Dennis Condry went to Mid-South Wrestling as a team for the first time. And, uh, of course, uh, so this is our, our, our year-long 35th tour. 
And uh, Stan Lane's going to be there too, even though he's only got 32 years. Still, he's part of the. <laughs> it's like we're going to have to start giving out gold watches or something in the Midnight Express. But anyway, no, Stan's going to be there. It's it's not often that you get a chance to see all four of us in the same place uh, at the same time anymore because we're all hermits in our own way. Uh, of course, Dennis Condry had just made his first personal appearance in December in Nashville that he'd made in the last five years because, as we mentioned on my program, and and it's been out there that he had a bout with throat cancer and several surgeries, chemotherapies, treatments, et cetera, and finally he's he's got his weight back, he's cancer-free, he's passed all his tests, and uh, we're going to get together a limited amount of times this year, probably about four or five in total, and Richmond being one of the big ones. And uh, so it's it's great to get together with the guys again, and like you said, Richmond is is an incredible wrestling city, and some of the fans that uh, that I know I will see there, um, you know, I don't want to mention any names because if I leave anybody out, they'll browbeat me when I when I see them. But the, the Carolinas <laughs> and Virginia fans, I mean, they last for years and decades. They they grew up around wrestling there in the area. And they always, uh, they love to come back and see the guys because that, that era of Crockett Promotions, the 70s and 80s, just made such an impact on those people there. Yeah, and this is our third year doing this show in Richmond. And obviously every year that we've had it so far, I mean, you are by far the most requested guest that anybody has brought to our attention. I mean, of course, you know that. I mean, the, the, the people of Richmond, they love to hate you. But I'll tell you what, I mean, just to see well, the... I'm, I'm often, in, in, those, in, in those states, uh, the mid-Atlantic area, I'm still often asked about and requested, such as, you know, <laughs> the subpoenaed even sometimes <laughs> to, to appear. <laughs> yeah, it's been an absolute joy to see how the fans have responded to the announcement that you are, you're coming down to Richmond, especially the whole entire package of the Midnight Express, but also, and not to be outdone, the entire Jim Cornette experience, which has turned into its own amazing little entity there that you're on the road, you're doing these live shows, you've got the podcast, you get, you're absolutely, I always say you are the perfect podcast subject or host because you have so much that you could talk about but now you've got the Jim Cornette experience and kind of talk about how we're going to integrate all of that into one VIP experience here at TMPT Con 3. Well that's right everybody's a VIP by cracky no you know here's the thing is I do a podcast uh, two podcasts per week as a matter of the Jim Cornette experience on Thursdays and the and Corny's drive-through on Mondays, where we let the viewer mail decide the show. The questions from the cult of Cornette listeners out there, they send them in, they pull up to the window, and I dispense the bag of greasy wrestling knowledge and goodness. Um, and it, it, it's, it's just, I'm as flabbergasted as anybody. We did, uh, between the two shows in the month of January, uh, just right at a million downloads um, in the month. And people, and, and we don't do a show, my co-host Brian Last and I, we don't do a show. We we have very, some very cheap sound effects. I mean, we're, you know, hold on here. <laughs> you know, we're at, we're at that level on the sound effects, and we don't really do any, any pre-recorded bits or pieces or slick commercials. It's old-time radio. We just talk. It's not even radio. It's It's a conversation between me and the audience where I either talk about wrestling and how I feel about it or how it used to be or educate them and inform them on the old days, or I just rant and rave about shit that pisses me off. 
And between the two of those things, people like to listen to me. And, and so, like I said, it's not really a show. Sometimes it's therapy for me. That's why they say when, when I do it live, is it a stand-up show? I said, no, often I melt down. So I call it a stand-up meltdown. But, but so anyway, it's just kind of a get-together, you know, every few days with me and the audience that like, as I say, for people who like that kind of thing, it's the kind of thing those people like. And we just have a conversation. So I've, I've found that then when I go to live events, whether it be we were up to Keystone Comic Con in Philadelphia back in September, or I've done this a variety of places. We did the UK tours a couple of times. Uh, I've guest, guested on Jim Ross's show. I'm like his Arthur Treacher for anybody out there probably. A couple of burglars and Arthur Godfrey got that line. But anyway, <laughs> so when I come to these live events... I'm doing one in Chicago uh, in March. Have a beef with Jim Cornette. Because not only, uh, we started it with extra cheese in Philadelphia where everybody got a cheesesteak. And the, the manager up at Pat Steaks was tremendous and, and comped the whole rowdy lot of us. Um, but uh, in Chicago, it's have a beef with Jim Cornette because, uh, you know, Chicago's famous for its Italian beef sandwiches. And what we do is we sit down, I, t I tell some stories have my stand-up meltdown. Uh, it's an interactive Q&A with the audience. Uh, we can interact back and forth. As, as a matter of fact, we can interact as much as you want. It's that kind of show. No, I'm kidding. Uh, no, it's an interactive Q&A with the audience, and sometimes I will even pickle the, the, uh, the more you know, uh, vulnerable members of the audience a few, with a few verbal jabs. And uh, everybody gets a free 8 by 10 autographed, a photo op, some hangout time, and we have something to eat. And in Richmond, it's still being decided because Richmond doesn't have a cuisine that just jumps right out at <laughs> Philly cheesesteak or the Chicago Italian beef. We're trying to figure out which culinary path to take, but that you will get fed. And after the convention, the big fan fest all day, where it's not only me and the Midnight Express, but all the other stars, you're going you're gonna to have a, an appetite worked up so for 40 bucks, you get an eight by 10, you get a photo op, you get the show and you get something to eat. I don't, what the, what the hell are we doing? I tell you, this is insane. We should take this back now that I've said it out loud. It's, That's it's in, we're giving it away. It's almost the hardest thing that it's not putting the websites together or, or, or getting the ticket stuff settled or even booking guests or vendors. The hardest part is trying to figure out what the best food is to offer the guests of Richmond. And I got to say, we got it narrowed down. We will say that we were at that point of it, but man, oh man, if Richmond could come up with something that they're known for in the next like two months, then they're going to get booked for the show. And the only thing is I had the question asked to me, so what, what about for your vegetarian fans, what could you do? And I said, well, the only thing I could think of is if I went to, to Boise and say, you know, <laughs> potato Jim Cornette, <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. Otherwise we've, we were stuck there, possibly some a salad at some point salad in San Francisco. I don't know. That's too far for me to go anyway. <laughs> Not well, the salad, but San Francisco. That's all the way across the country. I'll <laughs> eat a salad every once in a while. Buddy Wayne in Memphis. I loved him to death. Buddy, but Buddy was huge. Buddy had his his he was just round and his head was so big. That's what his son Ken called him as a nickname, Head. And he'd call him out in the locker room and Buddy would say, Don't call me Head, Ken. But Buddy, every time you'd see him, you'd say, Buddy, how's your weight? He said, Well, I've been on a diet, Jim. Well, what, what, what eating, buddy? Well, like now, like today, 
All I've had to eat was a salad. And I said, if you've all you've had to eat today is a salad, you must have had it in a number two wash tub. That's the only thing I can figure out. <laughs> anyway, so it's going to be fun in Richmond. That's May 18th. I don't even know if we said the date yet. Yeah. How can how can the, the folks get tickets to the to the big uh, undetermined food extravaganza? And I'll have burger towels there for sale. So whatever it is, it's going to be greasy. So when you're so, you got smiling faces after the show and you got my greasy goodness spread all over your face and all over your hands, you could, uh, burger towels will be available where you can clean yourself off before you go home. Well, as a matter of fact, Jim, they can go to www.tmptcon3.brownpapertickets.com and that's where you'll find... Wait, wait what now? <laughs> Good Lord, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Give us that again now. What is it? It is www.tmptcon3, that's the number three, dot brownpapertickets.com. Okay, so you said it slower that time, so I was able to... thought you were going for brown paper bag. I was Actually, that's what we should hand out at the door <laughs> for people to put over their heads so they're not seen in unsavory company such as mine. And and speaking of unsavory company, I mean, I don't know where you're at with them these days, but the other team that we've got lined up so far for the, this event is the Rock and Roll Express. So I hope that you guys are ready because not only do we have the Midnights, but how can we have a Midnights anniversary without the Rock and Roll Express? Ricky and Robert, the Rock and Roll Express in Richmond, May 18th as well. No, now we're not coming. <laughs> no, no, no. We'll see. Now, here's the thing. Because now we have got the Rock and Roll Express outnumbered because there's four of us now and only two of them. So we're, we're fine. We're fine because they ain't going to be starting anything. And there they we know better than that. And then see, and, and what you have to do is you're going to have to show up and you're going to have to see if anything does end up going down, especially in that VIP experience. But it's going to be an amazing day. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about in the next couple of months to build this thing up. And obviously everybody who tunes into your show is going to hear you talking about it as well. And we are just so happy to have you coming to TMPT Con 3. Now, I want to switch gears. Says, so think about this. Richmond, Virginia, uh, one of the linchpin cities of Crockett Promotions. Uh, the Midnight Express and the Rock and Roll Express for the NWA World Tag Team Championship once sold out the Richmond Coliseum, over 12,000 people. A six-figure gate 30-something years ago would be almost a half million dollars today. So you you got Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson, plus Bobby Eaton, Dennis Condry, and Stan Lane, and Jim Cornette, all in the same place. A lot of people would say, we'll just stop right there. There is no need in a city like Richmond, Virginia, where those two teams were so popular that they would literally turn people away from the Richmond Coliseum, which seats just a few more people than that fine Holiday Inn that you're located at on May 18th. Just stop right there. You don't need to go any further. It's overkill. But you're going to have even more superstars than just the Midnight and Rock and Roll Expresses there at TMPT3 Con. That's right. Even more people who are going to be announced, more guests. And I'll, I'll throw one more at, at you here just to show you the reach of TMPT Con 3 in that we have vendors coming from all throughout the United States. We have a first-time-ever reunion happening in Richmond. The first time it's ever happened in the state of Virginia at TMPTCon3. Somebody who you know very well, our tag team partner from the Triple Threat Podcast, Shane Douglas, 
reuniting with his valet and manager, Francine from ECW at TNPT Con 3. So Francine and Shane Douglas, the franchise and, and Francine reunited there together. Francine, I assume, will be wearing something similar to what she wore back in the ECW days. Boy, that was a sight to behold. <laughs> yes, indeed, <laughs> and, she will be. <laughs> and, and Shane Douglas will hopefully be wearing a sight more clothing than he used to wear back in those days because he is a sight to behold. But they will be back together. So right there, there's more. You got the midnight. You got the rock and roll. Now you got the reunion of of, of franchise and Francine. And you're saying there's even in the days to come, even more superstars to be announced. Even more, but you're going to have to stay tuned as we reveal the rest of the guests coming to TMPT Con 3. So we thought we'd set the table with that and kind of roll them out now as we get on the road to May 18th. Roll them out, rolling, rolling, rolling. But I'll tell you what, just right there, like you said, not only a first for Richmond, but a first for the state of Virginia. First time ever for Richmond, Norfolk, Hampton, Roanoke, Salem, Lynchburg. Chill Howie, anywhere <laughs> in Virginia. First time in the whole state. The first time, which is uh, even, it's, it's kind of crazy when you think about it. How, how in God's name had they not been able to have some kind of pairing uh, in the state of Virginia, especially going through Richmond, a big city like that. But hey, that's ECW. That was Pauly not booking the right towns, I guess. But that's, uh, that's a whole nother conversation. I'll tell you what, if he would have run more shows in Hayside, Virginia and stayed out of places like Philadelphia and New York, he'd have been better off. The overhead was much cheaper. <laughs> I'm sure it could have been. But I want to switch gears a little bit to your podcast here because I got to ask this. Now, you said your podcast is a little bit like therapy, but I want to know, have you locked yourself in a padded cell yet that you have begun to watch and now break down Monday Night Raw. What is going through your head as you're watching these shows these days? <laughs> well, it, uh, almost a 44 caliber bullet at one point. Because uh, the first week, because it just, it happened by accident and, and because I was wanting to see the Revival win the tag team title. But since I didn't know that that, that was going to take place until after it obviously had happened, I had to watch the on-demand version of Raw, and you cannot fast-forward on my on-demand version of it. So I had to sit through like two hours and 15 minutes of that show in order to get to that tag team match, and I spoke about it on the air and gave some of my opinions on the previous two hours as a new viewer, because I've not watched an episode of Raw in several years. I've seen some clips, and I... Fast forwarded through some things a couple years ago when I inducted the Rock and Roll in the WWE Hall of Fame, but I've not been a regular viewer. So I've commented on the show from the standpoint of somebody who liked wrestling but was a new viewer to what they were doing particularly and how it was almost impossible to figure it out because they don't tailor their program to pick up new fans easily. You don't know. People are not identified. Stuff is just obviously taken for granted. And so then the, I thought I might have been too harsh. So the next week I watched it again on purpose to give a, a little more detailed review. And I I did, but I wasn't too harsh the first <laughs> And I mean, you know, and a lot of the problem is what what people don't understand about why these crowds are so dead they th- they think it's because of the bad wrestling, which in some cases it is, but 
as a person who's promoted live events as well as written television shows and formatted shows and et cetera, they are asking a live event crowd to pay premium ticket prices to leave their homes and drive somewhere and park and go into a major arena and buy the $8 soft drink and the $10 popcorn and basically listen to a bunch of people stand there in the wrestling ring and talk to them or watch television on the big screen in the arena. And that's why those crowds are so pissed off. That is the most un-live crowd-friendly wrestling show I've ever seen in my life because you will go two hours in and they've seen two dark matches featuring underneath talent and a match and a half on raw that has some type of indecisive finish. Think about this. And this was something that I was thinking to myself and I couldn't figure it out. Have you ever thought of a time in WWE's history where it's WrestleMania season and they decide to change the booking committee and they bring in (laughs) Richard to creative and bring, have you ever heard of that before? It's nuts. Uh, no, well, I was there it was it was 20 years ago today, Sergeant Pepper. No, it was about 22 years ago, as a matter of fact. I was there when Vince got fed up and decided that he was going to go with the only person that wasn't currently responsible for anything, and that's how we got Vince Russo. Mm. Uh, because he was mad, because here's the thing. He sends out, in a lot of cases, and we used to joke about it, he sends out what he wants by mental telepathy. And if you don't pick up on it, it's your fault. And I'm sure that he has been thinking because Vince McMahon didn't is, is uh, not hired Bruce Pritchard back because he's the greatest booker since, you know, Bill Watts or Toots Mont. Bruce Pritchard is going to serve on the creative team because Vince McMahon knows that Bruce gets it. He gets it and he can relay it to other people. What is it? It is what Vince McMahon likes Hmm. and what Vince wants. And he is probably, I can see Vince sitting there going, damn it, pal. They just don't get it. They're just not, they don't get it. These people, the kids, they don't get it. I need somebody to help them get it. Get Bruce. He gets it. And, and I guarantee you that Bruce Pritchard will be able to articulate what Vince McMahon wants to these people probably better than Vince can, because Vince sometimes send it out, sends it out by mental telepathy. But v- Bruce has been picking up on those signals for 25 years. So, no, is Bruce going to come in and immediately rewrite the television program and come up with the most exciting finishes since, you know, Eddie Graham? No, uh, Bruce is going to be able to convey to everybody else what Vince wants. Whether that be good or bad, I guess. Well, I wasn't commenting case. on the quality oh. or quantity of, I'm just saying that Bruce gets it and it is what Vince wants. It's very interesting. Kind of the way the WB is right now. Very Boring, let's be honest. It's not a great show. The creative kind of stinks. They really don't have a plan for WrestleMania. It doesn't seem like it's just all all over the place. But you mentioned liking the revival out of everything. And I know my partner Chad is a big Young Bucks fan for God knows what reason, but he is. I love. Well, he'll 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 grow out of it. Well, you know, once <laughs> once he hits puberty, <laughs> he's lying. But continue. <laughs> 
I personally, I do love the revival. I love kind of what they're about. I love the wrestling ability. I love that they're kind of Arn and Tully mixed with the Midnight Express. What is your kind of take on them? I know you love them, but what about them do you love so much? Well, it's just because they understand the art and the science of tag team wrestling. And they, uh, uh, veterans and guys who've been around the business for a while, people who've been involved in training and just the practitioners of the art can sit there and tell you when a guy knows how to work by the way that he locks up when he starts the match, but by the little things, the way he moves around in the ring, how he knows where he is at all times. Uh, those guys are throwbacks to technicians of 30 years ago that because they're once again, they grew up on Carolina's wrestling and they're, they studied it and they were fans and, and disciples and they study the tapes to this day, but they, they, concentrate on making sure that, that they close up all their loopholes, all the, 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 any loopholes in the logic of their match is closed up. Their shit looks good. They take the people on a ride up and down. They even make tags the right way. You know, I see these bogus ass tag teams on supposed national television and they're tagging each other by slapping each other on the back, on the shoulder blade or touching the guy's toe of his boot or standing up on the bottom rope, leaning over. And it, it, so it's refreshing to see guys that always tag hand to hand, but can do it from anywhere and throw in the blind tags and the little dosy dos and things that just makes tag team wrestling fun and exciting. And the, the art of it and the distractions uh, and, and the double team moves, you know, they, they've got everything. To, it's, it's in another atmosphere where the promotion sold tag team wrestling on a par with singles wrestling, they would be in main events. They're just in the WWE where unfortunately it's a, you know, middle of the card thing. It is great and refreshing how kind of old school they are, how good they are. Like you said, they know how to do double teams. They know, you know, the psychology of things. And I always watching them think back, obviously on a telly, but midnight express, those double team moves, wrestling the match as a team doing tag team maneuvers Does that take a lot of more psychology the fact that it's four guys working together rather than two i mean i mean that's kind of an obvious question but i mean i feel like so many tag teams out there wrestle kind of singles matches if you know what i mean they don't quite get it well yeah <laughs> it, it's not it doesn't take more psychology it's just a different kind and that's you know unfortunately but what a lot of guys who don't have a lot of experience these days in tag team wrestling but then then sometimes they're just thrown together with a guy's partners but two guys will wrestle one from each team and they'll do some things and then another guy gets in and he's doing a different thing than his partner was and there's no cohesion and it doesn't really gel as a as as a match because they're not working together as a team. Psychology of tag team wrestling is, is different than singles. But um, that's why, you know, a lot of the guys in the 80s, uh, that's why Bobby Eaton and Dennis Condry were so good instantly together. That's why Stan Lane came in after he'd had a top team with Steve Kern. He, he comes in and, and replaces Dennis Condry in the Midnight Express, and, and they didn't really miss a beat because th those guys had all worked the Tennessee Territory tag team wrestling in the South was a huge attraction and they all knew how to work a tag team match. It didn't have to be just with that specific partner. You know, you, if you're a good tag team wrestler, you can adapt. And Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson were the same way because Robert Gibson's brother, Ricky, his older brother, they'd been a team since Robert was 18 years old. And Ricky Gibson was one of the best 
babyface wrestlers I've ever seen in his youth before injuries and et cetera. Um, those guys, they were all involved in tag teams. Ricky Morton had teamed up with Ken Lucas and before that, Eddie Gilbert, when, you know, when he first got in wrestling. So, you know, it's, it's just, it's a different psychology, but if, if you know it, you can adapt to a good partner who, who knows the same kind of stuff. And I've been seeing the NWA popping up more and more. And I always see the Crockett cup is returning in North Carolina in the end of April. And I see you kind of attaching yourself back to the NWA, which is kind of cool and refreshing as professional. Wait a minute. Don't, don't, don't put it like that. I see you attaching yourself. Like I'm some blood sucking leech that's latched (laughs) onto the, you know, no, um, no, actually, uh, the the NWA. I did uh, the color commentary uh, for their 70th anniversary event down in Nashville yes. last October, and uh, where Nick Aldis and Cody Rhodes had that rematch for the NWA title, and and that was you know it was a lot of fun. I enjoy announcing, and uh, Nashville is a place that uh, you know is near and dear to my heart because that's the territory where I started in wrestling, and and I'd been to the Nashville Fairgrounds building many times over the last 40 years. And, uh, so then the, the NWA is bringing back the Crockett cup and that's scheduled for April 27th in Concord, North Carolina, suburban Charlotte, that, that beautiful new Cabarrus arena up there. Uh, and they asked me if I would do color along with, uh, Ian Riccoboni of ring of honor and, and Joe Galley of the NWA. And I said, sure, because of the Crockett cup and, and the midnight express were identified with each other. we, that was kind of the Midnight Express's lot in life. Every year we would we'd go to the semifinals and we'd get beat by the eventual winners. And and drat but at least we we got knocked out the first year in the Superdome by the Road Warriors, but we fixed their little red wagon and knocked them out uh in Baltimore the following year. So, you know, <clears throat> and Animal's going to be there too, I believe. He's he's got uh, a team that he is mentoring. But uh, that's going to be an, another midnight rock and roll uh, reunion there for the VIP uh, event, along with Magnum TA and, and Nikita Koloff in the afternoon. But uh, you can, it's going to be available on Fight TV. So if anybody wants to hear me talk anymore, you can, uh, you can get the NWA Crockett Cup on April 27th. Anywhere in the world that you got a, a computer, an internet connection, we can be beamed into your home now. Imagine that if you'd, if you'd have told me when I was a kid, when I was climbing on my roof, turning my antenna, trying to get Dick the Bruiser's TV from Indianapolis at two o'clock in the morning, that you can just turn on your computer and see anything at the drop of a hat, the blink of an eye. Would have taken all the fun out of it. No, modern technology is absolutely insane. And the fact that it's on Fight TV is pretty cool. And the fact that we're going to hear you yet again at the NWA is, is awesome and you know, you actually know your, your history pretty good. You know that you have a, you have a great memory for that. Losing well, it, to the Road Warriors, losing to uh, the Superpowers, and then losing to Sting and, and Luger by Midnight Express—all the history of the Crockett Cup, right there. Yeah, and and I guess my memory is like of uh, uh, I can't remember what I had for lunch yesterday, and and I forget conversations that I have that I didn't want to have in the first place real quickly, but I, I'm a, always been a wrestling nerd, and somehow the, these facts and figures stick with me. I don't know. It's, uh, I, was, I, was a, I was a terrible student in the subjects that I wasn't interested in. 
but wrestling is your true passion and, and you're such a historian you 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 know not only your history but obviously you know you can recite other history pretty easy like you mentioned Luthes before i mean you got a you're you're pretty good with this wrestling stuff. I mean, that collection in your house must be uh, must be pretty good. And I, for the NWA 70th show, I cribbed some notes from uh, Scott Teal, an old friend of mine. He used to do the photography in the Nashville oh, yeah. uh, yep. territory. He he wrote a book recently on uh, Nashville wrestling history up to 1960, from the turn of the century all the way through 1960. And I I cribbed some facts, and I I'm just hitting poor Joe Galley. He's from He's from, I think, uh, Texas, and he doesn't know anything about Tennessee wrestling history, so I'm saying that. And, you know, Pat Malone, the Green Shadow, sold out the Nashville Hippodrome 124 times or whatever it was, and he's looking at me like I've got a steaming turd hanging out of my mouth. But uh, <laughs> Scott, Scott made me look good that, with his research that night. Hey, let's pause for one second to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by our brand-new sponsor, Eat Your Coffee. Eat Your Coffee is a coffee company that was founded by coffee-deprived college students that pioneered a new category in caffeinated natural snacks. The company's first product line, Eat Your Coffee Bars, are a date-based snack bar caffeinated with fair trade coffee, which would be comparable to one cup, and made with real ingredients so you can feel good with every energizing bite. Eat Your Coffee snack bars are non-GMO, vegan, gluten-free, kosher, 70% organic, and available in three delicious flavors, including fudgy mocha lattes, salted caramel macchiato and peanut butter mocha my personal favorite now that is an energizing combination because they are on a mission to help get people energized with naturally caffeinated snacks made with real ethically sourced ingredients so if you want more information head on over to www.eatyour.coffee as well as follow them on instagram follow them on facebook follow them on pinterest and follow them on twitter and get all the information on how you can energize the moment with eat your coffee bars and obviously that night working with Tony Schiavone, very cool. And and obviously Nick Aldis is bringing some prominence back to the NWA. Billy Corgan bringing some prominence back to the NWA. Are you confident in in this you know kind of relaunch of the NWA that they're going to keep it old school and they're going to do it you know wrestling the right way? Uh, well, I think they've done a great job so far because they've created interest in the NWA Championship and the guy that holds it. And that was their first move, obviously, and they've done a great job with that. And now that they're branching out into, uh, they they've crowned a national champion at the 70th anniversary show, and and now the the tag team tournament, the Crockett Cup, which lead to more tag teams being featured prominently, uh, and and they've also uh, Billy and the rest of the crew there, Dave Lagana, those guys have built it to where the NWA is not necessarily one promotion or not necessarily, it's not at all one promotion. It's, it's the NWA championship now can be defended on a variety of promotions cards and it increases the talent pool that can go and challenge for that title. Cause I said, it, it's not just up to the champion that holds a belt that makes it important. It's the number of people and the quality of people that want to challenge for it too. So I think they've, they've done a great job with that. In a variety of countries, Japan, I think Aldous, I believe, either has gone or is going to go to China. Um, Japan, you know, the UK, uh, the United States, different promotions. You know, three years ago, it was like, you know, NWA Dyersburg Wrestling, you know, at the uh, at the Rec Hall, and now they're in some you know pretty big buildings and and traveling a lot of places. 
definitely very cool and it's cool to see kind of wrestling booming again all over the place so i have to get your opinion i know you obviously you've talked about it on your podcast stuff but i, I gotta hear you know on this show would be nice to get a, a quote if you will what are your thoughts on tony khan and the khan family's new little venture here aew you see this thing uh kind of spiraling out of control do you see the comparison <laughs> maybe dixie carter at all i mean is, is there any of that kind of well, well, no, because for one that Dixie never had this much money to begin with, um, <laughs> or her parents didn't, or not that they were going to spend, um, and actually not at all, because they were multimillionaires. This guy's a billionaire. Um, you know, here's the thing. No, I don't see anything spiraling out of control. There's, there's no, they're there yet, um, because yes, the first all elite show sold out, but that was going to sell out anyway, again, based on all in, which was kind of the Genesis, I think of this whole thing and Tony Khan and all those guys mine. But I've said the bucks and Cody and Omega and those guys have done a great job of creating their subculture to where that they could do a big show like they did in Chicago and sell 10,000 tickets and then come back and do something like this six months or eight months later, whatever. And, and, and do another big house. And that was something that they could have continued to do once or twice a year, probably for the next couple of years, along with all their other stuff. They were doing wrestling in ring of honor and going to new Japan. Instead, they've decided to, you know, take the big gamble. And, you know, this guy has got the money, the resources to start and fund as big a promotion as he wants. And if they've got, Everybody keeps saying they've got a, a big television deal in place. Okay, that would would be the next step. The point is, everybody seems to me very confident. And I've been there before a couple. I've started a couple promotions, and a couple of them didn't go. And one of them, OVW, uh, I didn't start, but kind of helped expand. That did go. But it's never easy. And just because you have money to spend on the problem doesn't mean that you can solve the problem. Uh, overconfidence is not good. So confidence is great. Overconfidence is dangerous. Uh, the only thing I can see that they're doing wrong is everybody's going into this like just because we have enough money to do whatever we need to do, this is going to be a, a fucking uh, a, a layup. Uh, an easy shot, whatever. And no, it's not going to be. What they have to do is they have to figure out what kind of style of wrestling they're going to present because they can't just be all over the page. They can't have the Chinese acrobats from Taiwan and then a hardcore match and then New Japan strong style, whatever. You know, it. they've got to have a, somewhat of a style where all of the different types of matches fit within that logic. And they've got to grab an audience past the independent audience because you can't depend on just that audience to get a couple million people, uh, you know, to watch your show every week and compete with Vince McMahon's numbers. Or if they get any kind of platform, they're going to need a couple million people a week watching. So the only problem I have with, you know, I've, I've had great relationship with Cody and, and I've worked with him recently and there's a few other people involved, Christopher Daniels, et cetera, I think the world of. But some of those guys have in the past just been of the opinion that they can just do silly shit because the, their fans all know and they're all with it and it's a show and it's to be, you know, fun, not to be taken seriously. 
And on a mainstream basis, that'll put you out of business in about three months. You can't make fun of your own product and you can't sell silly on network television. So they've got to be athletic and they got to be serious. And uh, then we shall see. Yeah, like you said, you can't be overconfident. And you obviously, with Smoky Mountain and Rick Rubin, you have a, a, a lot of experience in the owning and operating and starting your own company. Is it, like we say, kind of overconfidence, but is it kind of crazy to put certain guys in, in certain roles and give them jobs that they've never had before and have no experience with? For instance, the chief brand officer is Brandy Rhodes, Cody Rhodes' wife. Cody Rhodes, executive vice president. Kenny Omega, executive vice president. It, 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 isn't well, wouldn't you know who little won bit the of a stretch? Wouldn't you know who won the pony? My boy Blue won the pony. I've never heard in wrestling about making your family members uh, integral parts of the organization and <laughs> making all your friends vice presidents. I've never heard of such a thing. Oh my god! Um, you know, I, I see. Here's the thing. Once again, they may be taking us a little too far. I'm on their side in terms of the, one of the reasons why All In was such a success is because for the first time ever, it was the boys. In the fans' mind, it was the boys. Our favorite wrestlers are are putting their money where their mouth is and running this on their own. And it's, they're not being held down under the thumb of evil promoters. This is, it's, hold my beer. I'm going to help these guys out, right? Well, you know, that's that's great for the new company to say we're going to we're going to give the wrestlers more input and more say in their careers. And, and, and we're not going to just treat them like cattle and et cetera, but I don't know whether we ought to be just making every single one of them an, an executive vice president. You know, that as a matter of fact, that was a joke about Vince McMahon in the old days. When I first got there, he'd gone on a round where they, they gave everybody promotions and new titles or whatever, because they added people and and they always, they always had to have a title. In, in, in the corporate side of the company. So he's, they said every time Vince McMahon walks down the hall on Thursdays, he makes somebody a vice president or whatever. But huh. uh, they, they made, they actually, they did that one time in talent relations. Everybody had some type of title, right? Of executive vice president of talent relations, assistant executive vice president, you know, blah, 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 talent relations, liaison, whatever. Well, one day they hired somebody I can't remember, so that made an extra one of us. So we all moved up, and my title became. They added a word to it. I can't remember what it was now. Talent relations, something or other. And when I was going down to the cafeteria, everybody that read the memos that they sent out, you know, every morning, all the office people that worked in marketing and merchandising and the travel and everything, they were stopping me to congratulate me. Hey, congratulations! Oh, for what? what? Well, the promotion. And so I, I would like asking Bruce, do I get more money now? And no, it's just a title. I said, no, why are they all so fucking happy for me? <laughs> it's just a fucking, it's a gimmick fucking title. I mean, we're in the wrestling business. None of this means anything, but they loved titles. And when they, from the corporate side of things, to me, I don't know where that story was going. I think you were saying it's getting a little, little out of hand, a little out of control with the getting a little podcast. out of hand. That's exactly right. That's what. I mean. And I mean, you know, we'll see. But all I'm all I'm going to say is, they they can't get they can't do the cute shit they do on the indies for a mainstream level promotion because that's 
that's basically the reason why that we're where we are. We have people now, the, the wrestling, the pool of wrestling fans of people who like wrestling is still much smaller than it has been historically throughout the years. Maybe not smaller than it was three or four years ago, but certainly smaller than it was 20 years ago and 30 years ago and 40 years ago when there were literally tens of millions of people watching wrestling overall, over all the territories, the, the cute stuff on the indies will not satisfy a, a, a mainstream television number or any type of, it's, it's a niche audience now where the people spend more money per head than ever before, but it's the only endeavor I can think of sport entertainment or whatever. And a bunch of people there in Richmond, a bunch of the fans will probably testify to this where more people used to watch something than they do today. And, and that's what we need to, unfortunately, to overcome is because between everybody now being smart and knowing what's going on, and that ran a lot of people off when they finally, they always knew down deep, some of them, some of them didn't, but a lot of them knew down deep, but they didn't want to have it proven. Once they had it proven, you know, they're gone. And then... The, the fact that, you know, a lot of talent has not come through over the last 10 years as mainstream stars like a Steve Austin and a Rock and an Undertaker and a Mick Foley and a, on and on. Uh, the, possibly because those people don't come along regularly and, and possibly because guys are not allowed to be outlaw personalities anymore. I've always said to me what's taken the bloom off the rose of wrestling's appeal to the mainstream population is that even 20 years ago, definitely 30 years ago, when you saw a badass pro wrestler coming down the ramp, ready to kick some ass, you may know that the, yeah, that stuff, they probably, they decide who wins and who loses, but that still looks like that guy pick his teeth with me. Um, it, it, there was some element of danger, some element of aura that the guys had that they might go into business for themselves. And now, you know, and it's almost written on the, on the talent's faces in a lot of cases, you know, when they're coming down that ramp that somebody has told them what their name is and what they are supposed to look like or dress like and where they're supposed to go and how long they're supposed to go and, and who's supposed to win and what they're supposed to say, and that they'll probably get fined or fired or possibly even incarcerated if they were to, to go off script and somehow go into business for themselves and do something they're not supposed to do. But when I used to see Terry Funk or goddamn Abdullah the Butcher coming out, I'm like, I'm going to get the fuck out of the way because this son of a bitch is going to eat me. <laughs> you know, and it just it, it just doesn't... It's hard now, and and there's a few personalities that can that can give off the aura that they still might just do whatever the the hell they want to do for the sake of it, and those and Brock Lesnar, and and those are generally the ones that draw money. And that's kind of uh, about it, really. I mean, they really have no other big stars. And it even seems like a guy like The Undertaker isn't supposedly in the plans for WrestleMania. They got nothing going on with him. And now he's taking outside bookings and kind of uh, doing his own thing away from them and even ends up a part of 
StarCast 2, which is kind of associated with AEW loosely, but, I mean, they're very close associated. Now he's, he's going to be at that big event. So that's kind of almost uh, not a slap in the face of Vince, but that's almost like a little bit of a shot, if you will, at Vince. Undertaker's doing outside bookings. Well, but think about this, though. I don't think it's as big of events might think it's as big a story. I don't think that Undertaker meant for it to be this big of a thing. He's he's doing several spoken word things. I know he's doing a tour over in the UK and, and he's doing this and he was scheduled for something else. And I think the promoter got cold feet. But at any rate, Undertaker is different than the other guys because he's always been very protective of his gimmick and his image while he was wrestling. And so he didn't do appearances, whether it be a comic convention or a wrestling fan fest or, uh, you know, anything he did, no matter what it was, you didn't see the undertaker on Twitter or on social media. Uh, you didn't see him very rarely. And only in recent years, as he started to slow down in the ring, have you seen that he's a human being away from wrestling because he was protective of the image. But now he's got such a name that he can go out and command ridiculous. <laughs> I've been, I've heard the, the rates quoted ridiculous amounts of money because people have never had the chance to meet him and never had the chance to hear him talk. And so now he can do that. And I think he's just for anybody that can come up with that amount of money. Uh, I think he's doing his business now because it, he's always been also uh, taking a lot of pride in his performance and the ability to rise to the occasion and have that big match. But sooner or later, it's not any disrespect to the Undertaker or anybody else to say you can't do this when you're a hundred. So can you do it when you're 80 or 70? Where is the cutoff point? How can, at, at his size, with the abuse he's put his body through, how long can he continue to be the undertaker in the ring at WrestleMania and not seriously injure himself? So now is the time to maybe transition to the next phase of his career, which is not being the Mr. WrestleMania in the ring. He's made Vince McMahon plenty of money. I think it, it may be time that he can capitalize on the the mystery that's always been around him by making money with his image and his brain instead of his body. So I don't begrudge him that at all, and I don't think that Vince should. Is, is the is the WWE going to pay him you know a hundred thousand dollars to to not answer people's questions or tell stories? What is <laughs> you know? It's not like he's going now if he wrestled for somebody else. That would be that would be a kick in old Vince's balls, but you know, until that happens, I think we need to lighten up. I think everybody kind of assumed that that was the case, though. That he was almost like you know, and we talked about this with with Jr. last week. Is that he was almost in that mystique class of that they were never gonna they were like almost like you should be locking him up for a lifetime contract because they put so much into that that character and he turned that persona into what it is. And I think once people see, oh, well, he's being billed as Mark Calloway, a.k.a. The Undertaker, I think that kind of blew everybody's mind because we're not supposed to know that's his name. You know what I mean? We're not supposed to know this about a guy who's been built to be somewhat of a mythical figure in that WWE universe. So I think people really kind of misconstrued what's happening when he took the outside bookings when that's really just a natural part of what happens at that stage in his career. 
Yeah, that, you know, if, if the WWE promoted spoken word uh, show tours with their stars, then I'm sure he would love for them to promote his. But since they don't, I, I imagine he's he's taking other options. And they should, and that's a that's a great new revenue stream that they haven't Actually, explored. They, they, they do once a week. It's called Monday Night Raw. <laughs> Now, I just want to throw one more hypothetical at you before John hits us with the uh, the wind-down portion of the show. Hypothetically speaking, looking at this kind of renewed, you know, not territory war, not promotional war, since there's not technically a promotion yet, but where would the Midnight Express and Jim Cornette lie in this kind of a landscape? Would you guys be looking outside of where you are, or if you were having a contract that was uh, expiring, or would you be looking to kind of stay where you were? Oh well, well, well. Which side are we on already? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't tell me which way we were going. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. <clears throat> um, well, I, I mean, it's if we were a tag team in the WWE now, we'd be looking to go anywhere. We'd already gone because I, I mean, we actually gave notice and left in WCW, as you'll recall, when they brought George Scott in at the start of 1989 to book, and we saw that he had no plans to use us, and we're not going to stick around here and, you know, be beaten into powder and be marginalized on television, so we gave our notice, because we knew that they would fire him sooner or later, and we would come back, and actually, wouldn't you know who won the pony, uh, they fired him before we finished working our notice out. So, you know, you have to, when you're in a position where you know you're better than how you're being portrayed, you have to look at other options. And if, if the Midnight Express had been in the WWE over the past couple of years, we would have, at first chance, gone to Ring of Honor. Because that way we could fucking get over by doing what we did best, which was getting heat and having good matches and get a better reputation and potentially go back in uh, to another bigger company at, at another time. It, it, Dennis Condry always told us from the start when we went to, we, when we went to Mid-South Wrestling in Louisiana, you don't want to go into a promotion when business is great because then it, business was already great. They'll just pay you what they want to pay you and you don't get credit for anything. You want to go into a territory when business is on its ass. If you can get used in a top spot and pop it, then you'll get rewarded and paid for it. And you'll get the credit for popping the territory. And that's how you get booked to other places. And lo and behold, we went into Louisiana when the business was down, rock and roll express, midnight express and Bill Dundee as booker and, and popped it. And so after that, Dundee got jobs in various booking companies everywhere from Memphis to WCW and the Rock and Roll Express and the Midnight Express could go anywhere they wanted to go. For the Actually, we hardly ever had to go anywhere because from Louisiana, Flair and Dusty and Jim Crockett wanted all of us. So we, within the next you know, six months to a year, ended up there and never really had to go anywhere else because that was the biggest company. As we hit the wind-down button and we wind it down here, I just got to ask this because Wait, obviously here I'll, I'll, I'll hit the wind down button. <laughs> As we, we do wind it down. I love that, that uh, sound effect. We, you know, we got to start using sound effects here, but uh, I digress. The, 
big TMPT Con three coming up. I gotta say, because we you know obviously it's Richmond, but do you have a favorite Richmond moment? I know you talked about that awesome sellout at the Richmond Coliseum, but do you have some other favorite the JCP NWA Midnight Express Richmond moments? Oh God, it was, there was a bunch of them. I loved, you know. Eddie Cheslock and David Lane, those guys used to take pictures of us back in front of that red brick wall in the back of the Richmond Coliseum. And you see that that was very distinctive wall that you would see in the pictures of all the wrestling magazines and everything. Every time I see some of those pictures, I think about Richmond. Uh, we had some great fans there, especially the ones that used to give us a ride to the airport and back. Uh, because that's pretty, we pretty much spent our lives back then running from the airport to the hotel to the arena and back and and did on in the back seats of cars on on the tops of cars strapped to the bumper of a car like a, a goddamn deer however we could get there um but i think even more than than the big uh, uh you know matches that we had with the rock and roll express there the first time around with them in 86 i'm i think we're i'm most proud of the 1988 great american bash in Richmond at the Coliseum, uh, did $113,000 at the gate. And that was usually the biggest house of the year, the Great American Bashes in most of those regular towns. But Dusty, that's what he was trying to get business back up because that's when Turner Broadcasting was buying the company and he wanted to make sure his position was secured. He wanted to make sure that we were selling as many tickets as we could at the start, you know, so they could get you know, get hit the ground running, right? And so, boy, he handed them a hot tag and they tripped over the ropes. But he brought back uh, the Luger and Flair world title match rematch from the Bashes to Richmond in September with a double main event with Tully and Arn against the Midnight for the world tag title. And we sold out. We did 13,000 people and $140,000. It was the indoor uh, you know, regular event gate record for the city of Richmond the month after the great American bash, the back to school month, September, that's always traditionally down. And I looked out there and saw that crowd and ha! Oh, and I said, that was a tremendous, tremendous sight and a tremendous night in Richmond. And of course it was about two weeks later at Tully and Arn quit and went to the WWF <laughs> <laughs> screwed that whole thing. We were going to be selling out with them for six months. I mean, we had just started everywhere. The midnight and Tully and Arn went cause they'd waited for the match for five years. Right. And never seen it. And we did a huge house in Charlotte. We, we opened up the new Charlotte Coliseum. The, it was new back then. and did 13,000 people with flair and, and uh, Luger and Tully and Arn in the midnight and sold out in Richmond did a huge house in Greensboro, um, a, a good one in Philadelphia, and just it was starting to cook, and then boom, they were gone. Sort of you like know, that South Park episode where you're there, they're in uh, investing their <laughs> retirement fund, and we'll put it in at two percent interest, and it's gone. What? And it's gone. That's a great Please reference. Move along now, customers only. <laughs> oh. God, great. Yeah, that is a great reference. Great episode. And, you know, it's great. You mentioned Arn and Tully versus The Midnight. When I was at the Keystone Comic Con, your invite, by the way, thank you again. You played your tape of the match from Philly, you know, basically the last match that you guys had to get before they left. 
And that was an awesome experience that you could only experience at the Jim Cornette Experience VIP. So I got to throw that out there. That was, that's right. That's an amazing thing. Because everyone is different. Everyone is unique because it depends on the audience, too, because it's not really an audience. It's not really a show. It's just hanging out and hearing me rant and rave and, and answer questions and bullshit. And we're, we're all VIPs. We're, all, we're a community. The cult of Cornette. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing everybody in Richmond again, not only at the Fan Fest during the day. I think, what is that, 10 to 3? But also then we're going to start uh, right quick after the Fan Fest and go however long it takes for everybody to get happy, everybody to get their questions answered, everybody to get their pictures, and everybody to get fed. And, uh, and we will have fun. And, and, and 40 bucks. Where in the world? Once again, I can't believe we've done this. It's, it, we might as well just pay them money. It's, it's like giving it away. <laughs> what was that long-winded uh, uh, website where they can go again to get tickets for this whole excursion? Well, I mean, would you, would you like me to interject here to, uh, to reveal the website name you, again? You, you better as you vamp until you find it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that, thank you very much. That was exactly what I was trying to do. So if you would like to join us at TMPTCon3, that is myself, JP, John Paz, as well as Jim Cornette, the Midnight Express, the Rock and Roll Express, Francine and Shane Douglas reuniting here in Richmond. It is www.tmptcon3.brownpapertickets.com. That's exactly what it is, what you just said. And and we want to see everybody there. It's going to be fun. One of the uh, one of the handful of Midnight Express reunions this year. Um, gosh, and and if anybody wants to know what I'm doing, go to jimcornette.com because that you know the podcast, two of them per week. We got the YouTube channel, uh, the NWA commentary, uh, the Midnight Express reunions. I'm doing a couple of other things that may be revealed to the public very soon. Uh, possibly on the evening news accompanied by a mugshot, but you'll in the next week or two, you'll know about it. And uh, otherwise, uh, jimcornette.com is where you can find me. And and great deals on all manner of merchandise at jimcornette.com. We want to give them away, but my wife won't let me. <laughs> the best collectible site for anything wrestling related in the world of Jim Cornette is Jim Cornette Collectible. I mean, you really have the absolute like best array of your career all encompassed in your uh, Cornette's collectible. So we got to give you credit for that. Well, it, it, not only that, but just if you're a fan of classic wrestling, even if it's not related to Jim Cornette, uh, you can, you can find what you're looking for there. You can get that itch scratched right there at jimcornette.com. But Hey, you know, that's how I got started in the business was taking pictures, selling the pictures at the souvenir stand, doing the programs, you know, hawking the merchandise. And now it's just higher class merchandise for a higher class guy, but, uh, I love, I've always collected things. I love collectibles and collecting things. <laughs> well, you fit in well with us. Cause that's, uh, that's absolutely perfect. So we look forward to seeing you May 18th down there in Richmond, Virginia. And obviously we've got a little bit on the road to Richmond. So we will, uh, hopefully be retweeting and seeing you, uh, on the social media as we get the word out about TMPT con three, Mr. Cornette, as always, it is our pleasure. Thank you. It, it has certainly been your pleasure. It's going to be a pilgrimage to Richmond by covered wagon through Canaan's land. It's going to be a <laughs> pilgrimage to see me, the Midnight Express, the Rock and Roll Express, and Francine and the franchise and all those other folks. And I will talk to you guys soon. We'll keep them updated.
Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling, What the World is Downloading.